Hello, my fellow Brappentonians, and welcome to Brap Talk. This is a weekly podcast where we discuss the happenings of the motorcycle industry. I am your host, Jensen Beeler of Asphalt and Rubber, and joining me on this two-wheeled adventure, the opener to my jar lids, Mr. Shaheen Alvandi! Broken shoulder or not, you can still do that. With the broken rib. Fuck all the haters. Hell yeah. Come at me. Come, come at, well, not at me. At no. Jensen. Don't come at me. I don't want I get enough people coming at me every week. Oh, it hurts to laugh. Um, what happened to you, buddy? I crashed. Why'd you, I, I why cra- did you crash? <laughs> do you know how many laps I did, Shaheen? Half. <laughs> three. I did three laps the whole weekend. Did you crash on your on your outlap? I crashed on the outlap of qualifying. So, <sighs> so for those who don't know, who didn't follow on social media, I broke my collarbone. I broke again, fucked up something with my ribs, and I got a I got like a fairly mild concussion. Bang your I, head I a little. I banged my head a little. Friday was great. Went out, did testing. Best times I've ever done in testing. You know, I'm I'm sitting there looking like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill people in racing, and then they're you know we go to race pace. Um, Saturday, bikes, somebody opened the faucet. Bikes looking great, yeah. And then Saturday <clears throat> rolls around, and as we expected, rain falls from the heavens. Um, and there was a lot of crashes. So like almost half the paddock crashed. Sheesh kebab. Uh, I think the official number was 20. I heard, I heard 30 at one point. Woo! So I don't know how many people actually got picked up by the truck versus how many kind of like wheeled it in on them on their own. But, uh, yeah, the track was super slippery. Uh, my practice group, we go out, get an outlap, start doing a, a, a real lap. They red flag it. There's four people that go down. Uh, Austin, my pit mate, Hannah, uh, Miss Hannah went down as well. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she went down an eight and another gentleman went down a nine. And it's just like a, like a whole, like just everyone's, everyone's on the grass. And so we have to come in and that cancels the session. Um, and then we go out for qualifying. I get to turn four on the outlap and I high side myself to the moon. Um, and uh, that was my weekend. <laughs> man <laughs> short and sweet yeah just seen you maybe like an hour before yeah yeah you came by i saw you and uh came by dropped off some stickers high-fived a bunch of people what can uh, i say it it was rough because at the best of weather this time of year that that back area of pir is just covered in goose chip too there's a lot of goose chips that's one of the things i think people don't understand of pir is. So is we, slick. We, we get a lot of migrant geese yeah for, you know Fine. like that it's like a whole thing our fellow canadians let their geese come down south a little bit and we're not that far from canadia yeah and and the infield of pir has bodies of water in it uh-huh. i don't know if you call them a lake or a pond or whatever but cesspools it's, it's, whatever it is yeah it's cesspool. It is kind of just what is it blinky from the simpsons the three-eyed uh-huh. fish like total <laughs> blinky territory but it, it, pir is a a city park and it's it's got a lot of wetland and and greenery and mm-hmm. yeah the birds come in and they yeah sure enough like my my pit in the asphalt part of the paddock was covered in goose shit like we had to sweep goose shit out of there yeah so just imagine what it's like on the track you have slippery goose shit which is slippery in dry warm weather yeah you have cold and the the unfortunate thing was we had this beautiful warm sunny weather for like two weeks prior and then soon as race day came it was you know in the fifties rainy and slippery as goose shit and i think that's part of the problem too like like you said we had 
two or three weeks of sunshine. Right. And this is our first rain really in that time period. So, you know, what do you say when you, you know, you have that kind of first rain in the season or the first rain in a while, like be careful when you're on the road, mm-hmm. it's going to be greasy. It's going to mm-hmm. be oily. Same thing goes for racetracks. I kind of wish that PIR would let, you know, car club racers come through and just at least wipe that goose shit off the track with their wider. It's hard. Like I, I looking at it, I didn't see anything wrong with the track. Obviously the crash count tells a different story. Right. There's something going on there. Um, I, I, that's the other thing. Like for me, that's a little spooky. Now, granted, I was coming up on Brappy little stepsister because she was taking her time going through the turn and I was kind of setting up to go around her. And so I was a little bit offline and that I think plays a factor in it. Oh, but, yeah. but I didn't think I got on the gas that hard, let alone hard enough to high side me. So, you know, it was just, you know, it just caught me out. Um, obviously, I don't have a lot of experience racing in the rain, but I've done some laps in the wet and I've never like the talk about two completely different experiences, like dragging knee in the rain versus like, I don't know how many 15 degrees of lean angle and mm-hmm. high siding. Like those are two very different experiences. So, um, such as life. It's uh it's a bummer. Uh, you and I were just talking at lunch about the, the mental side of it. It's kind of a hard thing to, uh, accept mentally. Um, I'm literally like quarter speed for work. I'm, I'm sleeping like 18 hours a day. Yeah. Your body's trying to, sort of I'm trying heal. to build a bone i'm trying yeah. to like repair some brain cells or something you've got all of the best you know damages you got bone cartilage brain tissue yeah you all know the good ones top three it's going all out so it's really hard to like i like being a productive person and like i'm getting like one story out a day if i'm lucky so the backlog on on anr is is there and then you look at like all this racing uh stuff i've been preparing and, and hoping for and that's uh, going out the window because our second round is, you know, as we're sitting here right now, Shaheen, our second round's in less than a week. That's right. You know, it's two weeks after our first round. So you sit there and you're like doing the math. You're like, uh-huh. that doesn't look so good. Um, six round series. If you miss two rounds, that's <laughs> mathematically very impossible. One of our listeners suggested, and I agree with it, that you should do a, at least a storyline on the sort of the crashing part of racing and, physically and mentally what it does to you and how you may be able to kind of prepare for that as best as possible. I mean, you always talk about being as prepared as possible, but we always, we prepare for a wreck and most of the time by being outfitted properly for it. But Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we take for granted what happens after that wreck. You know, I've wrecked Mm -hmm. a couple of times on the track day. And even after that, there's a little mental gymnastics happening of what did I do wrong? How could I have done it better? And then you start kind of going into this rabbit hole of, this mental exercise of whatever it is. And it, and it can become a little bit, you know, depressing maybe when you think about that stuff. Absolutely. I think that's a good suggestion. I think that'd be a good one for the, for the gun racing series. And I think, I think you can look at it in a lot of different ways, right? Um, like I'm very lucky to have really good gear. Mm-hmm. I have an airbag suit. Uh, I have a good helmet. I have good gloves. I have good boots. I still got banged up pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, some of that is because I already had a collarbone plate on that side. It makes yeah, that, that energy had to transfer somewhere. Yeah. I, I mean, I was told that when I got the surgery that, um, and Danny Petros is proof of this too, where that energy, it's not going to break in the middle of the bone. It's going to break at the end of the bone, which is exactly what happened. Um, and that's a different kind of break, but, um, how you recover mentally to get back on the bike can be tough. Right. Um, and you see that with some people where like they crash in a corner a lot and now they're, 
they're a lot more timid in that turn than maybe they need to because it's caught them out enough. Um, I, I, I mean, I don't know how it is for you, Shaheen, but I'm a very goal-oriented person. So I struggle mentally when I can't achieve my goal or I'm not on a path that gets me to the goal that I want. I and mean, that's, that's, that's truthfully the struggle I'm having right now because I'm, I'm having a little bit of a battle with the doctors on what my course of treatment is going to be. And a big part of that is I have a goal. I have a path and a road that I'm on to achieve something and they're not really on that program. And that disconnect is is like really tough for me. And that part of that's like just total only child syndrome. Right. <laughs> but I think also it's like our personality trait of like, no, I need to I need to be hitting my checklist. Yeah, I need you're to be trying to have a light at the end of this tunnel here. Yeah, I'm trying to like, you know, get my things done and I get very frustrated when that's not the case. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, it's a tough it's a tough thing to, to take in, into consideration. Um and then you can take then there's like the whole bike crashing. Kramer's crashed really well. If you looked at my Kramer, you would not realize that it crashed. High sided, well, nevertheless. High sided. I mean, like the the bar and the handlebar is a little torn up and the grip's a little torn up. The foot pegs kind of ground down a little bit. And that's it. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> it's so silly. That's that's super silly. I kind of want to like go double check it. Uh, cause it's at Hannah's house right now. Um, and be like, am I sure like the frame isn't tweaked somewhere? <laughs> Are we sure everything's straight? Cause like it should be more, but yeah. And uh, then like, how do you prepare for that? Like, do you have, uh, you know, spare parts? Do you have like, cause that was the thing. Like I remember on the Friday night before the race weekend, like I made sure to tech, go through tech with my extra set of leathers, and my extra helmet just on the off chance that I did crash, I wouldn't have to like have that be a part of the process. Like, like it's that preparation for it. Obviously right. I was too banged up to be able to go back out and take advantage of that preparation, but at least it was there. Um, uh, so there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. It'd be an interesting thing to talk about. I'd be down. I think, I think it's an important topic. Yeah. We'll see what happens with the race. Also, it allows people to kind of see the, the full spectrum of racing, right? It's not, it's not always, you know, podiums and, and Mountain Dews. We don't say champagne, but <laughs> you know, what sucks. Um, well, it's not sucks. It's, it's like good, but it's bittersweet. Um, so the Sunday, so I crashed Saturday, Sunday, they did like the award ceremony for last season. Right. So I have to get like, I won three of my classes. I'm runner up in our, in our clubman championship and I have to go accept all those awards <laughs> you know, with my arm in a sling. Oh. <laughs> And like before, before that weekend, I would have probably talked about like, yeah, you know, like I won the classes. I want to, you know, defend that again this year. And I was runner up and I want to, you know, I'm the two C plate. I want to be the one C plate. That's the goal. And then like, you can't really do that when you're sitting there with a broken, you know, chicken wing and you're just like, <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. My season's kind of fucked right now. Well, I mean, it's all season ahead of about you. anything right now. Well, I mean, we talked about this. There's a whole season ahead of you. If, if, if things go well and you get healed up. Because the next race is next weekend, but then there's a six-week period between then and the next race. Yeah. Which, if crossing fingers all goes well for your shoulder and you go through whatever you know procedure to take care of it, it last time you broke your collarbone, I, I remember you were doing push-ups like a week after. Yeah, I'm very confident for that June round. Right. Um, even if I have like... So the here's the thing that gets weird. So there's a lot of options treatment-wise. We could, we could do nothing and we could do surgery. And then mm-hmm. within a surgery... There's several options of keeping the plate that I have now and putting a screw into the part that broke or putting another plate on it. Or do we pull the plate out that's in there now and put a different plate on? Mm-hmm. 
And then once we get in there, what do we know that we don't know? Because last time they thought I was broken in one place and we found three, three breaks. So I end up with nine screws. Um, and I look at that x-ray and like that bone is like, it's like how you would draw a broken bone in a cartoon with like the jagged <laughs> right. edges, which just is like, yeah, I feel like that's going to be way worse once they get in there. That's just going to look way worse. But when you remove the plate, those holes, I mean, they fill the hole with, they literally like take cadaver bone, grind it up, stick it in. It's like a paste zombie shoulder. Yeah. Zombie shoulder. Um, but your bones basically broken again. Right. I mean, if you don't have all the detriment of like it hurts and it moves around and it's all wonky, but like you're one trip down the stairs from, you know, it breaking properly. Right. Um, so you have to treat it like a broken bone. So there's a little bit of that, but even if we do, even if we do that, I should be more or less a hundred percent, uh, come June. And then the question is like, okay, if you win every race, which is a huge, huge thing to ask and, um, a very tough thing to do, you know, where does that leave you? Yeah. And then like, it's not just my class. Like I, there's things like I can't control because the way our club and championship works, you know, there's riders in the 600 CC class and the small displacement classes that have a really good mathematical chance of earning more points than me, no matter what. So it's like, I don't know. I can't control that really. So we'll see. I think one of the more important questions is how does one, you know, once the physical part of it is done, how does one mentally get back into that? Yeah competitive edge again you know we talked about marquez like you know how, how is he going to do this season after having such a rough break and everything yeah. and so at this level you know you you kind of realize well you're not doing this for money you're not doing this for anything other than satisfaction and and the competitive edge and the camaraderie that comes with it but there is a bit of competitiveness in in those of you that do club racing and would, so how yeah. do you how do you maintain that edge after something like this happens to you? I mean, I would say I'm definitely going through the Diet Coke version of what Mark Marquez has gone through. <laughs> Only one calorie uh, of uh, pain. Yeah, just one calorie. Um, but it's very similar because what the mind wants and desires is not in alignment with the body of what the body is capable. And I think for Marquez, it's even harder because it's one thing. It's one thing to be so injured that getting on the bike and riding isn't a possibility. That's a very easy thing to accept. You're like, my body is very broken. I am not going to be able to go do that thing. Okay, fine. I accept that fate. Where you get into trouble is when you're healed up enough or you're well enough that you can get on the bike, but you can't perform your best. Right. So now it's like, I'm on the bike, but I can't go 100% or I can't achieve the lap times that I wanted or I can't ride for as long as I want. And I can, you know, I watched the race today and I won't give away any spoilers, but Mark Marquez did not win. What? <laughs> you know, and I'm sure like, like on a certain level, that's got to frustrate him, you oh, know, tremendously. And I remember watching, you know, they, they show him when he come in and like the, the, the team's all clapping for him. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, like I, I, can, I appreciate the camaraderie that the team has to show their appreciation for his effort mm -hmm. and the clap and all that. But I bet if he's anything like me, which, you know, maybe there's a little bit of an overlap there. There's got to be that like, what are you clapping for? Well, I think you know, that's like their job. I, I their job is a, to uplift his spirits. Yeah, I mean, maybe. But like I would I would almost like resent it because I would be my own uh, atonement of my result. Right. Is so far off where I want to be that it's hard to see that. Like I can't even remember. Let's say he got 10th. I don't know. I can't remember. But, you know, he's not going to want 10th. He wants at least like a podium. He's probably like maybe in his own mind, he's like, 
I was really hoping to get a top five today. Mm-hmm. And I really doubt that a top ten was his was his desire. You know, maybe like and, and even if it is like a part of the game plan, okay, like in Hareth, we just need to get a top ten. We're good. Mm-hmm. Like we're on track. We're improving. And that might be the case, but I would still say like there's probably somewhere in the back of his brain where he's like, I'd really like to get ninth. Probably. I'd really like to get eighth. Probably. Like tenth is the goal, but seventh would be fantastic. And that's hard. Like when you're especially when you're accustomed to to winning and and being at the front mm-hmm. and then you're not like Valentino Rossi is a great example. Another spoiler that I can tell you that like isn't a spoiler. Valentino Rossi did not win the race. <laughs> you know? What? And it's like it's like that long decline. Like I remember when Valentino Rossi could like crash, get the bike back up and still win. And now you're like he's just kind of like this also ran who's in the back of the pack and you're just kind of like I bet it's really frustrating because I bet he's sitting there going like I know that I could be XYZ or back yeah. in the day just two years ago I was on the fa- or just last year I was on the factory team and now I'm not and watching that uh, decline I think that's the hardest thing is when you're aware of your decline and it's obvious to you that's that, that's the hardest part I think that awareness though that self-awareness sometimes can lead to kind of a deep dark space in your head that totally. doesn't allow you to climb back up so I, totally. I I was in a bad place last week. Right, and, I, we and talked about that's it. the thing. I think the team clapping for him and sort of uplifting him is part of the process that you and I have talked about ad nauseum about baby steps, right? You can't just jump into that winning spot. You have to work on A to get to B to get to C, et cetera, et cetera. And that, that part of, a lot of that is the mental aspect of it. And it's very easy as a human being to kind of get dark and brooding about this thing, whereas it sort of takes a village to go, no, no, we've seen you do better. You can do better. Good job for trying. You did great. Next round, you're going to do even better. Yeah, I would agree, except for the part where at least I know, like, I want to speak for Mark Marquez and Valentina Rossi because, you know, (laughs) I don't know them well enough. But I know for my own thing, I'm my own biggest critic. So when I'm not hitting my goal, like, you guys can all clap for as much as you want, but I'm still going to be angry at myself for the the end of the day because I'm like, I didn't achieve X. I didn't get my goal. I didn't do the thing. Uh, I didn't achieve my potential. You know, you can say like, oh, you know, Jensen's second was good enough. was pretty good. Like if I finished, let's say I finished this season second, 2C again. Right. Runner up. Right. That would be an amazing achievement. You know, all things considered, an amazing achievement. But you want 1C. But it's like, that's the thing. That's like, that wasn't my goal. <laughs> like, you know, like I was trying to think last week. I'm like, okay, like how do I move the goalposts here? What can I focus on to achieve that helps me like achieve? Like I'm, I'm still here achieving my goals. Here's and, what we do. <laughs> we go to the ridge next weekend. <laughs> I say we because we're going to sort of do a magic trick where like <laughs> you get geared up and look like you're going to hop on the bike, but it's really me. Stig. Yeah. The Stig. The Shaw of Stig. <laughs> the Shaw of Stig. The Stig of Brap. <laughs> the Stig of Brap shows up, gets on the Kramer and just circulates enough to get some points. Maybe I get on fifth or sixth place or something, but get you some points so that come June. You can kick some ass. You know, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of math crunching in this house uh, the last few days, Shaheen, and uh, some silly things could happen. I'm just saying. I think you and I geared up aren't that far apart. <laughs> <laughs> I know, apparently, I lost five pounds growing a bone, so I don't know how that works. I got to lose 15 more pounds yeah. just to at least get to you. Oh my gosh, <laughs> the best best weight savings I've ever done breaking a collarbone. <laughs> just break collarbone. <laughs> oh jeez. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's interesting for how much this sport is in our heads. Um, you know, it, it's an interesting aspect to to like deal with the aftermath of, of the crash. It's 
I like that. I like that suggestion because this is something to, to talk about and worth exploring a little bit more. Um, well, the magic trick? I'm way into it. <laughs> the story, the article. Oh, fine. <laughs> then we can try the magic trick too. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Uh, I need the points. Uh, you, you have, so I haven't really been leaving my house. So I've been trying to walk like, I don't know, two miles a day, which really hurts. That's pretty good. Yeah, I got a little path that I like to go around the park and yeah, it's nice. It's lovely. But um, I get home with the bones just oh i'm sure just noodling around uh, i'm sure that's really good for it <laughs> but you got to go out and go see the one moto show the one moto very, show. uh thank you by the way because you you did a bunch of uh, postings on the brap talk instagram story jammer which like i'm saying it now they won't no one's gonna be able to see it because there's no way i'm getting this <laughs> right podcast done in 24 hours but um i just got like last week's done last night like <laughs> two weeks late medication's fun uh, man. um but uh that's like as close as i'm gonna get to the show and it was actually nice to see some of the bikes and see what's going on and your your picks as it were so very very cool setting um interesting you know the, the whole dichotomy. it's like a barge building yeah building? so it's in this old shipbuilding manufacturing building Okay. Uh, in South Portland by the waterfront. So right. This is right by Ross Island Bridge. It's right underneath okay. it, basically. Okay. So I've driven past this a time. Yeah. Okay. Just a really, really cool building. It's it's uh, long, you know, like two football fields long, essentially. It's like very, very ship. Big. Yeah, exactly. Long <laughs> enough for a ship. Um, so really cool showing of motorcycles, lots of art, uh, outdoor space, which it got rained on on uh, Friday night. Um shocking i know right but yesterday was decent weather and then today was beautiful and today it's sunday so they shut it down at 4 p.m so they are currently probably cleaning up right now it's 5 15 p.m oh, right gosh. now okay um lots of people but in a very good manner they didn't overstuff it you know i think mathematically speaking probably a quarter of the crowd that i'm used to seeing at the one show was there but they had done this on purpose they were selling tickets in in two hour blocks and i think one of the to their detriment our county just went back into like ultra high risk or right. whatever that level is that yeah oregon oregon was like 23rd in the country and then we jumped to like 28th or 29th or something like that so we there's a spike in covid cases because a lot of people aren't getting their second shots or even even getting their first shots because they're afraid of what might happen to them and scared of the um clone in the dark yeah whatever the, the chip which you know whatever it's good for you I'm getting my second shot tomorrow. I get mine a little over a week. Oh, nice. Well, that's the thing. If I have to go through surgery, I'm wondering how that's going to happen. Exactly. Do I get it before? Do I get it after? I, I think they probably just have you get it before. I don't know. I don't know what the complications are with that. Interesting. What if I get sick? Ooh. Yeah, figure it out. So um, that being said, the they've done a good job. Everybody had their masks on. Good. Mm, 99% of people had their masks on. <laughs> I don't want to point any fingers, but the people that I saw without masks on had mostly had vests with fucking patches on there. And I was like, don't, don't be that guy. Um, food was outside in a very designated spot. So if you had to take your mask off to put some food in your face or a beer in your face, which interestingly enough, I mean, part of the draw of the one show or shows like that is grabbing a can of your favorite beverage and walking around and staring at bikes and talking about it, totally. while sipping on it. So you can't necessarily do that this round. So, it was still fun to watch people walk around and talk about really, really just awesome uh, uh, amount of motorcycles that that varied from old school, you know, Ratfink style chopper to new superbike and everything in between. Yeah. Um, so lots of great builders out there. Lots of 
female builders, which was really exciting to see a lot of cool bikes by, by them. Um, handful of motorcycles that were basically bone stock bikes. And I was like, this is okay. I mean, the show is, I believe, sponsored by Indian. So there's a lot of Indian bikes, mm. but they're outside. And there was a handful of bikes that were like, there was a BMW S1000 RR. Beautiful bike, but it just looked like it went through the BMW catalog and just had everything slapped on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, pretty cool bike. I've looked at them like, man, that's a lot of carbon. That's amazing. But I don't, it's it's not, you know, what I remember the old one show being like, but I can't be like, back in the day, we only had these motorcycles. So whatever. <laughs> well, it's 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 fun to see that that range of motorcycle there from a two-stroke to the newest, greatest V4. The premise of the one show when it started was the idea of like, if you could have only one bike in your garage, what would it be mm-hmm. kind of deal? And like, what would you build if that was, if you could only have the one. one? The one, yeah. So like maybe... Maybe someone's just like, yeah, I got a, if I can only have one bike, I want a BMW S1000 R with a premium package the one. and a carbon fender. With all the carbon things on and it. all the carbon things on yeah. it. Fucking A. And then, um, then like, there's some like, Hans, Hans, they did it. He got the one. He Hans. got the premium package. Hans, he did it. We are at the one show. He's the Fastmeister. It's in Portland, Oregon. I don't know where it is, but. <laughs> it is in the very corner of the country. <laughs> um, they're. Lost my train of thought. There's a lot of really cool scooters there. I want a scooter. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not so secretly, I want whoa, some scooter action. You just said two things that don't make sense. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I want a scooter, y'all. You know, I I secretly want a Vespa, uh, what is it, GTS 300. I want one too. I got to ride one of those in downtown Milan. First of all, think what fucking better hauls. way? Fucking haul. Hell yeah, it's 300 cc's. It fucking moves. I, I want that bike. Listen, Piaggio, are you listening to it? Send one to Asphalt and Rubber so I can ride around on let's it for a week. Let's one of those. Let's... Oh, send two. We'll we'll skip and bop around Portland for yeah. months, however yeah, long you let on. us have it. Let me riot. And I don't want it murdered out. I want some silly color. No, Make mine it pastel was bright yellow. Me. Loved it. Oh, give me loved like a it. pastel pink one or a blue one. It is a good, like, surprisingly good bike. I, I can see it. why someone gets one of those. I don't understand. I saw someone, um, <laughs> saw, imagine a man bigger than you. Okay full like grizzly adams beard okay on a vespa the thing had to been like a 150 or a 50 i mean like it's just making and he's going like five miles an hour (laughs) he's got the full like highway windscreen on it and the whole thing i'm just like i'm like you look like such an idiot you look like such an idiot on that thing because that does not look fun or secretly you want it to be him but the 300 (laughs) is really good it is so good um i would totally rock one of those i'm a little terrified of the speed that 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 little scooter can achieve because it has the tiny little wheels yeah i don't know why that scares me a little bit but i still want one so just bad get swallowed up by i'm a- probably gonna get one of those in the next year or so i've been talking mad shit for a long time now a vespa just a scooter in general but vespa makes the 300 which i really <sighs> like i like i like it just because it's all metal yeah you know it actually looks really good it reminds me of uh it reminds me of my vw bug it's got that same, just kind of yep. like everything on its metal. Yep. The same, same basic kind, shape. Same kind of way they made it and you know, banged it out. Um, factory is super, super modern, actually. Um, yeah, it's impressive. I, I, I earned a whole new respect for Vespa after seeing the factory. We and have a customer who I believe is a fellow listener who has a yellow 300. Really? And I have never seen him not grin when he's riding. No, it's a fun bike to ride. That's like, I would take that over hmm, several motorcycles for sure. Right? Um, Except a Grom. I would do a Grom. 
There was a Grom looking bike at the one I, show I with, I believe, a, a CB300 motor in it. And I was like, that? Yes. What is this? Tell me more about this. Yeah, um, what kind of hooligan bullshit is this thing? According to my guy, it's a direct motor swap. Like, they, they bolt right up. Oh, see, that would be a Vespa for me. That would be pretty cool. That feels like that feels like another broken collar. That just, yeah, that just looks like jail time. Like, like, like I just got time. like a little tingly feeling over here. I gotta rub it. <laughs> I gotta rub the my bones. Like, a little hey, bit. fucker, we're not even fixed yet. You're like, doing listen, this. Listen, <laughs> what are you doing to me? You're killing me over here. Um, I saw another bike that really made me have a holy shit moment. Somebody took a a KTM 1190R Adventure, yes, and turned it into a full on Motard fucking love that 17 idea. we i mean this bike stopped me dead in my tracks i was like what the fuck i want to party with that dude and like that bike looks like it only wheelies or endos that's all it can do that doesn't know what else to do i've heard that bike fucks that bike fucks naked <laughs> <laughs> that's a great idea i mean it's such overkill but such well, a great bonkers. idea it's absolutely bananas insane i always wanted to put um i guess it wouldn't be too much trouble to put an 1198 motor into the Ooh. hyper motard chassis Ooh. Same idea. Just that's just like a really bad idea. I behold just. Puckered. I really like it because it's such a bad idea. Oh god. There's a part of me that wants. Hopefully, well, I don't want to put this in the universe. I don't want anyone to get hurt, but I kind of want to see if I can get my hands on a wrecked Multistrada like 1260 and just see if we can turn it into some maniacal thing like that. I'm on board. Super let's on board. That. Let's make that one show next year. That's yeah. our project. Yeah, 160, 160 horsepower. <gasps> we'll do the Brap Talk Motard. Yes, I love it. I love everything about that. Someone took the 1190 Adventure and made it like an enduro out of it and raised and raced in the uh, Ayersburg Rodeo. <laughs> I like that's the kind of crazy I like. I like all I'm all about it. That's just next level. God bless insanity. you. It's like it's like looking at those American heritage racing motorcycles that are period correct, but has like a modern Yamaha 1500cc board out motor. It makes 175 horsepower, but just no ABS, no traction, just a pig with a ton of horsepower. Look at stuff like that, and you were like, "Who? What psychopath gets on this thing, and then just rides it ten out of 10 That's that is. I love shit like that. It's you like can't, you can't see me, but I'm. I'm I know you're not nodding. That's like, the kind yeah. of shit that puts hair in your chest. I don't care who you are. That makes me feel good. <laughs> that makes me feel good. So a lot of really cool bikes. Um, a lot of great art. Lots of great personalities that I got to. So you guys can't see, but I shaved my beard off. It's a big. Holy it's shit really moment for weird. a lot of people. It really throws me off when you do that. The best part is, even with a mask on, because my beard was so f- big and fat, it just stuck out of the mask. So everybody's like, that's Shaheen. He's an idiot. Yeah. But this round, I would walk past people and they would do a double take because I have these you know bright green glasses, but my head looks like it's shrunk. So with a mask on, you just see this like bald-headed guy who's impostering Shaheen with these glasses. And people would look at me and they'd hear my voice and run up to me like, what the, f- did you lose weight? Something's different about you. <laughs> So it was really neat to walk around and chat with a lot of people and high five a bunch of people, handful of listeners, bunch of uh, customers, and just people that I've seen around here. Um, and it was it was a really really good time. Before I forget, yeah, I got so many messages from random strangers that listen to the podcast and read the website. Uh, you know, giving condolences about my shoulder. That was really cool. Super cool. Really appreciated that. Very cool. Talk about something that I like. Going back to the mental side of it, very yeah. uplifting. Very very uplifting. I mean we. We got a handful of emails and texts from listeners that send their condolences to Team Ann for the yeah. loss of her. I mean, you, you 
people who listen to us, you humble us all the time. That's why I love getting emails and texts from you. We have such a cool listenership and I imagine readership on your website as well. Super, super rad. Super, it super literally rad. is what makes it worth it. Yep. God knows the money, isn't it? No, it's not for the <laughs> money. I do this for the pleasure. Um, I like the idea. Like, yeah, Multistrada 1260. I, Motard. Multistrada 1260. Multi-Motard. Motard. Multi-Motard. <gasps> Multitard? Claudia's mm. going to hate it. Multard. I love it. Hyper-Multard? We're going to do something with this. Uh, I will not be at the monster launch, but we're, we're going to send a guy, a really good guy, a really good guy. Uh, yeah. so we'll, we'll have to stay tuned on that. Okay. Obviously I didn't do my fuel test. I'm not bitter that you're not sending me. I'm just saying, I just was worried <laughs> you were going to kind of tow the company line. I know, right? <laughs> this is the best bike in the world. You should buy all of them. <laughs> uh, I got to figure out what I'm going to do for the high boost launch. I think, um, T man, I'm just saying she already said she would go. I kind of already promised it to Andy Debrino if I can't go. But, T-Man will make T-Man you food. Will be right. What will Andy Dubrino do for you? Probably nothing. Exactly. Although he has a zebra, so. <sighs> he does have a zebra. There's opportunities there. <laughs> I mean, oh, T-Man would me make you hurt. some meatballs and soup. Oh, She'll put some of that Italian love in your broken oh, bones, geez. buddy. Uh, speaking of broken bones, Suzuki GSS GSF, GS you can do X. It. S1000 for 2022. Did you see this bad boy? Wait, no, I did not. I've been very busy, Jensen. It's not on. I haven't gotten to it on the site yet. Talk, again, and if but, it's not on there, I don't see anything. That's the only like motorcycle. Talking about things that um, that came out Monday. I got nothing done Monday. Monday, I was in bed all day. Monday was the day of rest. I was not a happy man Monday. Um, We, we talked about this a show or two ago because they were teasing it. Mm-hmm. Um, Naked Bike is basically Suzuki Street Fighter. It's based on the older... Um, I think it's now two generations ago, GSXR platform, which was a pretty good, good, good yeah, pretty good, stout motor good, for good a bike. naked bike. Yeah. Um, Do you think they're going to retune it for naked bike duty, or is it just going to be a naked Jixer one thousand with good luck? No, I think it'll be retuned. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I should probably look up the uh, the specs in Europe. Yeah, because it's 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 150 um, horsepower, roughly. Okay. Um, what's the torque? The torque is got to be in the 80s. 106 newton meters. What's that in freedom powers? 95 70, French fries. 78 foot pounds. Huh. Uh, so it's pretty good. I mean, it's in the ballpark for that's like an S1000R is right. in that area. Um, very similar bikes actually. The thing there's no US price yet, which I think is very suspicious. It's a Suzuki. It'll be sub fifteen grand. Well, you know, you say that, but then look what the price on the Hayabusa look like. Yeah, but the Hayabusa is a lot more bike. True. Well, what's interesting? So they they gave it like instead of three levels of traction control, now it has five. You're like, whoa! Oh my! No IMU. As far as I can tell, no cornering cornering ABS. Now, granted, like I haven't gotten a chance to really dive into this thirteen nine ninety five USD. That's my that's my uh my final offer is that what you would price it at yeah 13 yeah i mean where's the jixer sit right now 17 yeah oh i mean i think that's the and the jixer has all that stuff that you're hoping this will have on it so well this base model jixer of abs is 15.8 without abs it's 14.7 i can't even believe that's an offering it's such a weird thing that we do in the u.s market still and it's it's really only I was going to say it's only a couple brands. Yamaha doesn't do that nonsense. Honda, 
I think on some bikes you can still get there's an ABS option. I think they're transitioning, but like yeah, Cowie and Suzuki are still like they let you nickel and dime over that stuff, which yeah, is very interesting. Very weird. I feel like if they just offered it, people would just buy it. It's not well, especially now, like it adds like a hundred, two hundred bucks to yeah. the price. It's it's like a pound more. So stuff like that is why I'm saying it's gonna be a sub fourteen thousand dollar bike because they're probably gonna say, Well, if you wanna pay extra dollars, you can have ABS or something. Well, Okay, so here's an interesting price point comparison. Katana, thirteen five. Uh-huh. This isn't that different of a bike from yeah, the was, Katana. This isn't that different at all. I can't even believe that this and the Katana are in the same plane of existence. So that's actually very interesting to me because, like, like you, like you just said, like I don't know what differentiates these two bikes from each other now. Styling. I mean, the Katana kind of pl- replaced the oh god the GSXS one thousand F F model, right? The fairing one, the full fairing bike. I don't even think they have that. They have that in the lineup still. Oh, I just clicked the wrong thing. Uh, da, da, da. Oh, they do. Look at that for eleven six. Huh. So, mm, very interesting to me. This is a very interesting bike to me in the terms of who's the buyer of this bike. I don't know. I think it's, I like the way it looks. It's a good looking. That's the thing. If they make it look good, I think the Katana. Personally, I think Katana is a good. We've talked about this. It's a beautiful bike. It's lackluster in a couple of places, but for the pricing of where it's sitting, I think it's fine-ish. And the buyer for that is someone that wants to have a stylish naked bike that they don't have to throw fifteen thousand dollars dollars at. Mm-hmm. Okay. A brand new one year warranty and all that stuff. Uh, but I just I don't understand wh- where this new bike and the katana how they're not going to directly compete with each other because i mean the looks i think i think they compete on look oh, that's, you're i think right. i think the the gsxs has a little bit more feature now um just because they've kind of like i said they went from three levels of traction control to five and <laughs> you know some other things um and it's got a more sporty look to it I think I think I think you're right, Shane. I think at the end of the day, you put like a thousand dollar premium over it, mid fourteens. That's it. It could be. What is it in the UK? It's like ten thousand pounds. It's eleven thousand pounds in the UK. What is that in freedom dollars? It's like uh, it's like it's like a thousand orders of fish and chips. <laughs> we had fish and chips for lunch. We did. It was delicious. Fifteen two in freedom dollars, but that's not. Yeah, it never translates That's like that. That's never like that. So yeah, you know. I think it could be I wouldn't I wouldn't bet a burger on it, I'll tell you that. Uh-huh, I think uh-huh. you're in the wheelhouse. Uh-huh. The bike that this competes with, I think, in my mind, is the Honda uh C B one thousand R. Which I think is probably one of the better looking bikes in that particular I do like that bike. I think it's a really good it's a nicely put together bike. It looks really handsome and it rides pretty well. And the pricing on that's thirteen thousand. And it's Ooh. probably just as, forgive me, rudimentary as the GSXS. Right. Just in the sense, like, it doesn't have the IMU platform and. Yeah, if you can make it sub $14,000, then it's a little more forgiving, considering you have, or forgivable rather, considering you have a leader engine in there. I don't know. I, I like it more at 14 than I do 14.5. I feel like 14.5 is a little. I look at the Honda a little bit too much. I'm like, well, for fifteen hundred bucks less, I can mm-hmm. get a bike that I might like more. I bet that Suzuki's thirteen nine ninety five. 
They yeah. can't really cross the 14 platform without an IMU. I just think that would, that's fair. There are other options out there. Yeah. Well, and then a point like you just buy Jixer. Right. That's fair. It's interesting. It's very interesting. And it's easy to get into the world of, say, Triumph Street Triple. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, I mean, this is going to have a lot more power than a Triumph Street. Ooh, excuse me. See? Sleepy time. Sleepy, Sleepy time. Sleepy time's time. coming. What is a Triumph Speed Triple? The new Triumph Speed Triple cost? Ooh, I saw one of those today. New new one. The new new? New new. One of the people that works at the local Triumph dealership picked one up. And boy, that is a handsome little bike. That thing looks very good in person. It's It's less bulky than I thought it would be. And the headlight did it for me. For once, the modern headlight did it for me. I'm, really, I'm, the, I'm of the old school bug eyes. I like the big old round headlights, but I really want to ride one of those. I will really want to ride one as well. The one he had was a full Olin's yeah. suspension, the whole nine yards. That is a very, very, very handsome little bike. So that that's the the new one. That's 183. Mm-hmm. The they haven't done the new treatment to like the base model and all that, but a base model speed triple goes for fourteen three. I would so, totally get one of those yeah. over probably I'd rather have the, I'd rather have the British original bad boy naked bike than because as much as I complain about the speed triple becoming a roadster mm-hmm. I still think the Honda CB1000R is a roadster and I would possibly think the same thing about Katana Katana's roadster Katana's more roadster maybe that's the definition like this GSXS is is the street fighter to the Katana's roadster okay but still like I would still sit there like the speed triple is a fucking really good bike it may it not be like as fucking knife's edge as we would like it to be. And I think maybe the new one fixes that in some regards. I'd like to ride it before I pass judgment. Mm-hmm. But it, on paper, it, it seems to. But I was still sitting like, that's a good bike. My hope is that the Suzuki fan base will look at that and go, sweet, finally an option in our little, you know, in our world that has the naked, you know, Street Fighter thing going for it. The thing of it is, like I remember a couple of one shows ago, there was a ton of katanas out there. They were trying to really push that bike several years ago when it was new. But you know how many I saw in the parking lot this last couple of days? None. Yeah. Not a not a single one. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because Portland is sort of a Eurobike rich city, but you don't see a lot of naked Japanese bikes in the parking lots here. You see a lot of KTMs and you see a lot of uh, um, Triumphs and you know Ducatis and stuff like that, but I don't ever see as many Katanas or CB1000Rs that I'd like to see. That's fair. I but don't know the, if the Katana is selling very well. In fact, I'd have to go back and look at my notes. I almost feel like they dropped the price on that. I'm not. I wouldn't. Wouldn't die on that hill with that with that statement. But I feel like I, I really thought it would do very well because it's. I think it has a very very. They did a good job of throwing back the look. Now you're making me look it up. I can only type one-handed. <laughs> nah, we'll fix it in post. No, no. Uh, 13.5 when it came out. And I think it's what I say, 13.350. Mm-hmm. So they dropped it a little bit. Not as much as I thought. It's interesting because bike prices tend to go up as they progress. I, I don't think it's sold. I don't think it sells. Um, Which is a bummer. I think it's a good enough know. bike. Price is the same. Yeah, interesting motorcycle. You know, this question that we were just talking about, the idea of like, who's that bike for? Makes me think of this Q&A question that we got from a fellow listener, mm. Drew F. Uh, and, and Drew's also kind of, he, he's into motorcycling a lot. He's got his own podcast. He's a really cool dude. 
But he asked this question, which made me kind of chuckle a little bit. And I think I asked it of you earlier. And it is, at what age do you decide that a Japanese adventure bike is more likely future purchase than an Italian sport bike asking for a friend, dot, dot, dot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, what was the joke I made when, you, when your belly gets so big you can't see your, your Johnson? You're dingling. Uh, I think there comes a point in time where you're just more practical. I don't know when that is. Yeah. I think it's uh, it's going to be kind of a floating target for I mean, money's a thing, right? Budget is a real thing. I don't even know if like money is decided. Like, you can you can go down the rabbit hole of of dollars and cents on a on a European sport bike just as easily as you can on a Japanese. Oh, totally. Bike. But I think it still costs. I mean, think of that that Africa twin that you have downstairs. That is a loaded one. Yeah, but I but I could still like put stupid amounts of. I could put at least another five grand of farkles on. Yeah, but it. you could do that on anything. Really. That's what I'm saying. But I'm just, like, think, I'm just thinking of the the first price of purchase that that initial ticket to ride that ride. You know, like in my little world, that bike is, you know, if you want to get in, into that world, you're talking 24-1 starting. That's fair. Right? So if you are, let's say, a parent of a couple of, you know, children, and you got mortgage payments and minivan payments and all that bullshit, and you still want a motorcycle that you can adventure with, eh, what's yeah. your what's your budget? All right. I, I, here, I can, I, can, I can boil this down for you. I just got it in my head. Okay. There was a point in my life where I really enjoyed wearing business suits. And I was I was a lawyer. I was doing the thing. I lived abroad. I wore I wore suits to work. Right. I looked good. I, I invested a lot of time and energy and in my wardrobe. And that was cool. That was that was that worked for a period of time. I lived in that world. I literally remember a recruiter for J.P. Morgan coming in and being like, "You know how I know if I'm going to hire a guy or not?" Notice he said guy. You know, I'm gonna hire a guy or not. I look at his shoes and I look at how polished they are. Like that's like the stupidity, the stupid world I was living in. You're like, really? Because how polished his shoes are tells you how good he is at trading stocks or whatever it is you're just fucking doing. Attention, man. Yeah, exactly. They're like, whatever. That's just some fucking Wall Street bro who shines his shoes every morning. But there comes a point in time where I was like, you know what? Suits aren't that comfortable. And uh, you know what it is? Fucking jeans and a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. And like maybe a sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. And maybe if I'm feeling a little rowdy, I'll put a button-up shirt on. But I'm still going to wear my, my jeans and my sneakers. <laughs> and like like I just like I, I literally remember that like that day that I transitioned from from being the business suit guy to the leisure wear guy. And I was like, yeah, this is way more comfortable. This actually fits my lifestyle. This actually works for me. Whereas like peacocking around in my business suit. Like literally I'm just peacocking. You know, I'm not actually like, it's like a fucking, like those shoes suck in the rain and you slip and fall and like, they're not comfortable and you got to take the jacket and then you got the, you got to worry about your pit stains and like, am I sweating <laughs> through my shirt or not? And then like, I got to get a linen suit for the summer and I got to have a wool suit for the winter. And like, did I wear my tie? Did I get something on my tie? Did I, I had a burrito. Did I get all burrito on my tie? What no. you're telling me is that a KLR 650 is the t-shirt shorts and Crocs of the I'm just I'm just saying at some point in your life you evaluate the kind of like stupid extra things that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And you realize like that's kind of stupid. Right. That's kind of extra. Like like everyone would love this is this is this is I'll meet you I'll meet you in the middle with another analogy. Okay. Everyone would love to own a Ferrari like 468 whatever. You know, name a name a fancy for I love Ferrari. Let's let's go. Let's go at the top. Dang who, girl. Who amongst us? Who listening to this podcast? I don't care how much of a two wheel person you are. You must have some 
motorsport envy in your blood that uh, if someone showed up with a LaFerrari, you'd be like, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. I would like to go in a ride for that. I would love to drive that. Mm-hmm. I would love to take that for a spin around the block. Who wouldn't love to put that in your garage? Okay, well, every year you're going to have to get it serviced. It's going to cost like 40 grand and the insurance on that's going to be like your fucking mortgage. Some listener and right now who's a Ferrari fanatic is going, well, actually, the first couple years of uh, service is taken care of by Ferrari. Well, which- whatever. <laughs> but but like, like there's all this other bullshit that comes with owning right. a car like that that you don't really think about. Uh-huh. And at the end of the day, like when you do finally get into it, like, oh, fuck, I'll just go buy a Porsche because cost of ownership and just hassle is less. Or you buy like a Corvette or something, you know, you're we like had a customer who talked himself out of buying a Ducati last week because he started doing the math and I said, well, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And he saw what the dollar sign looked like. He was like, well, you know, I can buy a Canary 700 something. <laughs> and it was yeah. a lot less money. Like, yeah. It's like, yeah. So there, you know, it's interesting because I, I think that there's a reason I brought this up after we were talking about like who buys a Suzuki Katana, yeah. right? Okay. I like how you're tying this back together. There's, okay, yeah. there's nothing wrong with having that bike. And if you have a budget, I promise you that you're probably going to get 95% of the the joy out of owning that Katana that you would out of, say, a Street Fighter. Totally. Right? It doesn't It doesn't mean you have to spend $25,000 on that motorcycle to get joy out of it. Now, if you want to and you have the means and you can continue on supporting those means cool man do the thing enjoy it buy the street fighter go apeshit buy the carbon fiber wheels while you're at it but you can just go to a suzuki dealership and you can just drop 13 and a half grand on katana and you can still have a bitch in time on that thing i do like that analogy because when i take my street fighter out my ducati i wouldn't say i'm super good about this but i polish it up i make sure it looks mm-hmm. good you know mm-hmm. i did you know i i i I have some investment in the peacocking that mm-hmm. comes with, mm-hmm. with this bike that I bought during my my suit wearing phase, by the way, <laughs> um, or or towards the tail end of it. That is your American Psycho bike. Yeah, exactly. And now I've got that Honda Africa Twin. That thing is. It looks good, dirty. I got bad news for Honda when I give that, <laughs> that bike back. It is going to be filthy, dirty. <laughs> <laughs> in places you didn't think dirty. It's like. I think he took it underwater. That's why I ride the Multistrada. When it's dirty, people give you kudos. My Aprilia, when that's dirty, people literally look at me in shame. Yeah, I think it's the difference of that. Like when when you stop caring about like when I ride this bike, it has to look polished and clean and perfect right. versus like, yeah, this is the bike I just ride every day. This is the bike I just I just hop on it and I go have fun and I don't worry about it. That's it. I don't know where that tipping point is in your life. I think it's going to be different for everyone, but you'll get there and you'll know it when you're there. Mm-hmm. You'll be like, yeah, I used to wear slacks. Now I wear sweatpants. It's the return on investment, <laughs> right? How much money do I have to spend where I can have a good time on it and not worry that much about the thing? I, I can still have a good time and clean it up once in a while and have pride in the ownership of this thing. Whereas some people, and I see it more often than not, who buy the fancy, shinier, you know, quote unquote, better machine tend to baby the fuck out of it and because they don't want to hurt it because no, totally. it comes with the pain of like, oh God, I got to take care of this thing if it gets hurt. No, my Ducati is the pretty bike in the garage. <laughs> that like, if I ever, oh man, I just got like, like chills down my spine. Of, like right? if I ever like drop it or something hits it. I had a, I had a lady friend who, so my, my Ducati is parked very close to my car who would swing the door open when she got <laughs> in my car and I'd fucking like lose my breath. And I'm like, you're just inches away so from close. gouging my, one of these vehicles with the other. I don't know which one I would I would care more about, but uh, yeah, no, I think that's it. I think that's it right there. It's an interesting thought because, like I said, if I would take my well, when I took my last Multistrada off road and got it dirty, people would look at it like either you are 
a badass or a psychopath? No, they're looking at your fucking tractor tires going like, what the Why fuck did is he going this? on here? Why did he buy the epitome of handling and just put this fucking tire made out of concrete on it, basically? The only redeeming factor of those tires is I bet it's really easy to put snow studs in them. Very. Super. That'd be really Incredibly rad. easy. You should do that. I'm okay, um, I'm okay with that. Speaking of tires, I just ordered the Dunlop Michelin Mission Max 5050s. What the fuck is that? Those are the ones that we were like. Oh, Jesus Christ. Like, I still will say this. Not 50-50. Not a 50-50 I appreciate tire. their optimism. I haven't ridden it. I no. know it's not a 50-50 tire. I have ridden it. It's got, and here's why I know it's not a 50-50, because it has really, really good on-road matters. <laughs> like, its mannerism on-road is really, really nice. I feel like it'll be good off-road. It's got plenty of lugs on there, but I think if you put any kind of wet dirt, I'm not even saying mud here, just wet dirt, will probably make that tire squirrely under you. Yeah, but I'm I'm excited to go find that out in the next couple of weeks here. I will say it, it does look very aggressive for a round non knobby tire. Mm-hmm. I think that's cool. I, I'm not going to fault Dunlop Dunlop for making it. I think that they they built something that's very interesting for the market and probably needed in the market. Um, it's just not a 50 50 tire. Con- I've like moved my collarbone like three times in the last. Stop, stop moving that thing around. Golly, the Continental just came out with the. Well, I don't know if they just came out with it, but I just saw it for the first time. The TKC 70 Rock. Yeah edition which annoyingly is only in a rear tire yeah i don't but it's it's a nice little in between the tkc 80 and tkc 70 which is a lot more road biased yeah and so this dunlop makes me think of that tkc 70 rock a lot more but it has a matching front tire for it so i'm wondering if continental is going to release a front tire to go with that rear or is there thought that you just need all that extra lugging power from the rear wheel yeah i don't know that's your driving wheel i don't know what that thought process is there without a matching front I like that idea though. Like, like obviously, I live in Pirelli World a lot. Like, they have the Scorpion Trail, mm-hmm. um, and that's the thing. Like, it's too much of a street tire. It is like it really, is. really good on street performance, and you get like ugh, maybe two thousand miles out of it. Yeah, those. there's nothing between that and like what what Continental and um, Dunlop have produced. Right. I think that's the advantage 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 them. Where it's just like, yeah, you there is a market for. A round tire that's that's more off-road aggressive hmm. it's not 50 50 but like maybe we can call it like a uh i don't 60, know 40 maybe like 85 15 like, I, I don't know i don't know i'll give it i'll give i'll give it an 80 20 just uh, i'm gonna go <laughs> really? try it 80 20 i'm gonna go try it out i'll see okay. what i can do okay i'm gonna I'm I wanna hear your it's part. gonna go on the new v4 what could go wrong we'll see what happens what could possibly go wrong is it a radial bias radial ply sure okay I don't know tires. It's round. It's it's, it's round. It's, black. <laughs> it's got it's dark gray. <laughs> dark, 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 dark gray. It is an extremely heavy tire. It is as heavy as the tractor tires. Really? Yeah. It's it's like it is a dense ass. It's typical Dunlop where the carcass is just stiff. Huh. Uh, but the tire weighed itself. I lifted a tractor tire, a Motos tire next to it, and they're fucking really close. You, you mounted these or you haven't mounted not these? Not yet. They're I sitting, want to see them. My bike, I'm I'm going stupid ape shit with this bike, but once it's done, the tires will get mounted on it. Okay. So we have a track day coming up May 23rd. I'll be there. And I kind of want to run the bike just for shits oh, and Jesus gigs. Shit. I need to do at least a couple of laps with the new multi. I need I need the knee on the ground with the new multi. Oh, okay. So I'm not going to change Two the tires until after that. Two up. I mean, why not? What size is your rear? Is it 150? 170. It is a fatter tire than we the, should put slicks on it and go to up. Oh. My, I got a one eighty fifty five that probably fits. Oh, absolutely, it'll fit. I've seen it fit. That would be stupid and hilarious. Way into it with my broken collarbone. Be great, especially with your broken collarbone. <laughs> <laughs> How do 
did you break the other collarbone? Well, well see what had happened was. Coda laid a trap. <laughs> Fucking Coda. So, she did try and kill you today. I saw it happen. She did, yeah. Little fucker. Um, so here's, a, here's, here's, this is going to be an interesting conversation, I think. Okay. Because I think you are probably the only person in the industry that can bring unique insight to this. Oh, boy. Did you see that VR46? So they're going to be the VR46 team uh-huh. is coming into MotoGP in 2022. They're getting backed by Aramco, which is the Saudi-owned, uh, like it's it's the front for Saudi oil, basically. Right. A lot of controversy about this. A lot. Now you're you're from the Middle East. I, I don't, I don't want to like pigeonhole you as like our, our resident brown guy. <laughs> I mean, they are, they do call me the Shah of Brap. Don't <laughs> you mean you are the Shah of Brap? Don't you know? But it, but it's interesting for me because. I wanted to see what your opinion on this with, especially with all the talk about how it's, you know, quote unquote sport washing the, the, some of the less savory things that the Saudi Arabian government has done over the past years. Like what? (laughs) Yeah. Do you really need a list? I mean, someone got killed and chopped up allegedly, 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 (laughs) I don't know. I'm I'm really curious about this because it's interesting to watch the backlash just on your A and R article. Uh, so I'm curious to see what this is going to do for VR 46's uh, team. Let's call it perception. And so I, I don't know. As the resident Middle Easterner, do I grip my teeth and kind of grimace a little bit when I see this news? Yes. Uh, but I mean, it's kind of typical of watching any real company you, you kind of follow the money right and there is money here and they need the money and you know is this something that is going to allow the team to carry on farther maybe but i almost worry about it having too much backlash i don't know jensen i'm very very uh conflicted about this whole thing because well i i get the company move of it i get the money side of it but at the same time it almost feels like dirty money Okay, so I guess that's where I want to start with it. Like, do you think, like, do you think there's any, anything wrong in doing business with a company like with a country that has human rights violations constantly? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Okay, why? I mean, we just said it in that last sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I believe the answer is the reason. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I mean, I, I think, I think, just socially speaking, it's going to have some ramification because. People are going to question your, uh, let's call it your morals. Sure. Right? So are you telling me that, I mean, maybe this is the question that someone would ask. Is, is Are you telling me that you would be willing to sell out? Well, this is like a equivalent of selling your soul to the devil, I guess, where you're saying, hey, I am worth, uh, I believe that I can get some good out of it by getting money from an entity that some, if not a lot of the world thinks is evil. I'm not saying Saudi Arabia is evil. It's not. But they do have a lot of bad rep for the last good amount of time done some shit yeah um women's rights and just i mean there's all kinds of shit that makes go like i remember when they were talking about the dakar race and everybody was like neat not going there thanks yeah um let me play devil's advocate for you please because i mean obviously during my my suit wearing time (laughs) i was i was spending a lot of time prosecuting crimes like the ones that Saudi Arabian government's accused of mm-hmm. you know, genocide and uh, crimes against humanity and things like that. So I think, I think my let's call it politics. I don't know if it's necessarily politics, but my worldview on this is probably more aligned with yours than not. But 
I will make this argument because I made the same argument to my colleague David Emmett, who wrote the story for Asphalt and Rubber. Mm-hmm. And he's his opinion is very kind of similar to yours. Like he doesn't go to the Qatar round of MotoGP because he doesn't want to support the Qatari government, which has also you know tons of gross human rights violations. Um, he's voting with his wallet. He's voting with his wallet, and and I totally get that. My rebuttal would be how do you expect them to change? Because if you, if you vote with your wallet like that and you mm-hmm. don't show up, mm-hmm. like I don't think the Qatari government or the Saudi Arabian government or any of these governments go all of a sudden like, well, you know, no one's like, like Saudi Arabia, not a tourist destination. Mm-hmm. Not like, not like how the, let's say the UAE is, for example, which is a little bit more moderate, but maybe not that much as we not think that it far is. off. But, I don't think anyone in Saudi Arabia is going to be like, man, I wish we had that tourism dollars. Let's let's change our stuff so we get those tourism dollars. Or, or you know, Formula One didn't want to do business with us, so we should change our ways. I think they just kind of go like, oh, yeah, you don't want to do business with us. Okay. I, I we'll feel like keep, they're rich enough where it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, And that's my thing. Like, you know, It's that idea that no country with a McDonald's has ever invaded another country with McDonald's. Right. You know, that's... I actually don't know if that's true anymore. I don't know if it is. Now I want to look into the historic evidence of but that. But that, that used to be the saying, right? Like the global, right. the, the argument for globalization was that as our countries and our economies become There's this more. unity in business, essentially. Yeah, they become more intertwined. Like it's one of those things like we will probably never invade China and vice versa because we're so dependent on one another mm-hmm. for our economic strength that it would really is like fucking them really is fucking us. But we don't have that with some of these governments. And so it's like one of those things like how do you expect them to change if you don't have social interactions, if you don't have people of different ideas and faiths and beliefs coming together and exchanging, you know, just just being around each other and having that exchange? Mm-hmm. How do you expect them to to start seeing the world in a different way if you don't show them what that world could look like? If you just let them sequester themselves into one corner of, of the map and do their own thing. I think it's a little unreasonable to expect that change to just come organically, or if it is, it's going to happen on a timeline that is significantly longer than, than if there was an interaction. So like, there's kind of like, like, like I feel like you have to take the short term loss for the long term gain. So I don't know. Like, yeah, Your Honor, that's a, a really great closing, uh, speech, but look at these <laughs> here bodies. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think, I think, I have to imagine that in the perfect world, you would have 50-50 viewership of this idea, right? Like at some point, somebody in VR's PR uh, team must have looked at this and had to have maybe even calculated the idea of if there is any sort of fallout from this thing. Well, that's the thing that's so interesting to me from that perspective, because what brand wouldn't want to get in bed with Valentino Rossi as he comes into MotoGP? There's no shortage of money that's available and and people that were willing to write a check now maybe the saudis are willing to write a bigger check than than others mm-hmm. like proportionately for what they're going to get but i can't it's hard to believe like you didn't really need the money so why are you taking the risk with the pr yeah and valentino's response during the press conference was really interesting where he's just like i don't really i don't really handle any of that so i don't so i don't have a comment because i have people that take care of that I doubt like that very much and you're like yeah but it's still your name yeah I don't think I, I 
See, that to me seems like a cop-out answer. Because it is a cop-out answer. Thank you. I don't think that he is the kind of person who doesn't have a hand in what where his name goes. Like, like no one in his circle said, oh, by the way, the Saudis are going to sponsor the MotoGP team. Right. You know, like while he's like eating like pasta, he's like, oh, really? Oh, oh okay. Interesting. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Uh, Wait, who? Yeah. The Saudi Saudis? Uh, like you didn't have like a conversation about that? But then maybe that's expecting too much from our heroes. I mean, at the end of the day, money talks and there was probably a lot of money on the table and he said, let's have a conversation. This is me assuming. I don't know what happened behind those doors. Maybe they're friends to start out with. It's an interesting thing. I don't know. Do we... The free capitalist in me says you're free to do business with whomever you want. Correct. Um, and there's a part of me that says like... Do you think the Saudis are doing this because it is good PR on the, for them? To have the name Valentino Rossi associated with them? Well, that's the accusation, right? Like, I don't know. It's hard to read into into the why. I mean, why does why does the state-owned Saudi oil company need to sponsor a MotoGP team? Because it's a good name to have. Why does that Why does that company need to advertise at all? Like, because we as consumers, right. we don't buy money. We don't buy our, our gasoline from Aramco, oh. Chevron, and seventy six and. BP, they buy their oil from them. So, like, did they... Were those companies not aware that Saudi Arabia has the second largest proven oil reserve in the world? Like, I'm pretty sure they do. Like, yeah, I think like, it has less like to do with the, the business uh, end Yeah, of it. I really don't think there's a marketing side of it from, no. like, a B2B perspective. So, no. I really think it is kind of like a, hey, we're your friendly Saudi oil uh-huh. company. I think, this is, I think this is PR for Saudi Arabia more totally. so than it is for the oil company. And I think that's the accusation. And that's, like, so you're going to help them... PR their way out of you know just a train wreck of of things that have happened lately. I mean, we have seen it historically repeat itself over and over again. That people are very, very uh, uh, have very short term memory. You keep saying the same thing over and over in a positive manner. People go, well, but look at all the good things they've also done. Well, again, play devil's advocate. The Saudi Arabia that we have now is not the Saudi Arabia that we had say twenty years ago, and they've made a lot of progressive changes. And it's like, where do you think those came from? Yeah. Do you think those happened just organically because, you know, was it Prince Solomon? I don't think Valentino Rossi is going to suddenly turn Saudi Arabia into a Arabia into a country that has a clean slate. Mm-hmm. But at the very least, maybe. And this is just me putting on some kind of a uh, naive, happy hat that says maybe this is a way for us to look at it in another light in the light of this community that's motorcycling that's brought together by the love of this thing called motorcycles and so does the average person even know who this brand is does the average person even know what's going on there no we are a a lazy group of human beings who listen to the news that's broadcast to us specifically to the channel we listen to and like to read and, and watch that we agree with and whatever they say about some company or some country is what we're going to believe because that's who we're used to listening to so if whatever you're reading and listening is pro or against whatever in this case say outside of arabia then your beliefs aren't really going to be changed by much of it but if you're somehow a rabid valentino rossi fan and suddenly he's doing business with them maybe there's a little thing in your head that goes well maybe it's not that bad Let's change it for a second. Let's change the conversation to something less political. 
how do you feel about um, tobacco sponsorship? Would you, would you, let's, let's say there weren't laws forbidding it. How would you feel about Marlboro coming back and being like Valentino Rossi? We want to be the Marlboro V46 MotoGP team. Mm-hmm. Here is a product which that he's is, historically sort of shied away from. I've never, I don't know if I've ever seen that's, him that's with the thing. tobacco. He made, it, he made it a point not right. to. I mean, he was in, he was on the Camel Yamaha team, so you can't say he did like a really great job of it. <laughs> but yeah, you know, you're right. He he is one of those riders that tried to stay away from right. from the tobacco sponsorship. Yeah, but tobacco has a Surgeon General's warning on there, and Saudi Arabia does not. Well, that's the thing. So <laughs> so like, do you think it's is that worse or better? Like here's a product that basically just kills you if you use it long enough. I mean, in the like I said a second ago, if you if you and knowing that like kids are watching the sport. Oh yeah, and it's, and it's probably normalizing the use of tobacco products to, to children and and other people. Right. Is that better or worse? And how do you feel about it? Mm, I I don't particularly enjoy tobacco products that much. I say that much because I'll have a cigar maybe once a month, but. Because it's all shades of gray. Because it is. It is all shades of gray. Because you can go a little bit lighter and we can talk about energy drinks. Right. Or you can go a little bit darker and we can talk about Saudi Arabia. Like, but like that's where's, the whole where's point your of, comfort level? That's the whole on, point of all this advertisement, right? Because energy drinks and let's say nicotine aren't necessarily that far apart from each other. Neither one of them is really that good for you. It's just that, again, nicotine products have a Surgeon General's warning on there. It says this shit will kill you. Right. And all those other things do not. And same thing with Saudi Arabia. So then it becomes a quote unquote political conversation as opposed to a <laughs> scientific conversation. We're basically arguing about type 2 diabetes. Right. Lung cancer. Right. And beheadings. Mm-hmm. Which all kill you. It's all It's all <laughs> like, it's like they're all not bad, not good, but they're definitely varying degrees of not good. It's just the odds of you being beheaded are a lot less probably than you having diabetes or having lung cancer. And so at the end of the day, the average listener or average, sorry, average watcher and fan of, uh, uh, let's say in this case, MotoGP, how are they being affected personally and directly by Saudi Arabia? Aside from gasoline, I guess. What if, what if this sponsorship helps make MotoGP one of the most televised and followed sports Right? In Saudi Arabia, and then Saudi Arabian citizens start traveling the world to go to MotoGP events and see what lifestyles are like there, and right. they start demanding the change in their own country. And, and that's what we call a silver lining. I don't know. Right? This, that's, that's that's the that's the that's the devil's advocate, right? Like, how well, much are you willing to? And I've to always risk? loved that devil's advocate idea of anything, right? If if you don't like the political system, let's say in your local state, and your first move is to get the fuck out of there, then how are you affecting that? Yes. You have taken yourself out of the game, so you have no say-so in that particular realm anymore, and so now you're taking your beliefs to another place that you hope will align more with your beliefs. It's the same thing when we saw this. We saw this, we've seen this a lot over the last, like, say, five years with the political climate, where it's like, I'm going to unfriend this person because their political views are not 100% like mine. Right. It's like, well, okay, that's fair. I mean, like, I get it. Like, I don't like listening to my crazy relatives either. (laughs) <laughs> but you're certainly not going to change their mind when you unfriend them. Nope. They're just they're just going to keep. If anything, they're like they're going to have more and more and more of the echo chamber, right? Which is going to doing to embolden, embolden, embolden them more. Remember, with their kids, thoughts. you get more bees with honey than with vinegar. It's true. So I mean, I don't know. I I, I can go round and round on this on this merry-go-round all day long. Oh because- yeah, this is a, this is this is a lifetime conversation. By the way, <laughs> I mean because it constantly happens. We see it happen. I am 42 years old, and this conversation has never ended. And it won't. I will. I mean, that's just you know, it's the dynamic uh, human condition. It just constantly, 
we revisit the same thing over and over to the point where I just shake my head and go, okay, I'm done talking about this. I want to move on to something more exciting. So I'm curious. I really am curious. I, I would like to believe in my in my happy little space between my ears that yes, what will happen is maybe MotoGP will become more popularized in Saudi Arabia so that then the fans will travel the world and go to places like America and England and you know wherever to watch these races and then maybe they're going to be more affected by the goodness that's around them because typically travel is good for that kind of stuff and go home and say, hey, I want to see more of this in my life. I want to see more of it where I live. And maybe in 30 or 40 years, we start seeing some kind of a change, a paradigm change. I will say, when I visited Qatar, it was it was a life-changing event. Like it, it exposed me to something that was so different to what I was used to. And it's the same thing when I went to Morocco. Mm-hmm. You know, the 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 that country and that experience was so different that like it affected me. You know, I'm not gonna say like I had like this like come to Jesus moment or like eat, pray, love, whatever, but it was it it gave me an insight into a world that I was very much not clued into. And like, you know, Qatar is kind of like the Diet Coke of of the Middle East. Like like I would say only the UAE is probably more approachable. Mm-hmm. So it's a kind of a lot of expats. Yeah, it's a lot of expats. It's an easy place to start. Yeah, it's a soft landing. Thank you. So, you know, like it's an easy way to wet wet your beak and see what's going on there. Um, So it's like, how can that? That certainly has to happen in the reverse as well. So it's interesting. Um, We could talk about the Husqvarna e-pillin. Do you want to? No. Then don't. Uh, What do we got time wise? We got time for like one more. One more? What do you got? All right, let me look and see. Uh, do we have time? Yeah, we got time. We'll make time. Oh, this is a deep, deep dive one. I'm not yeah. going to do this one this yeah. time. Yeah. We'll do a deep dive one later. <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> to be fair. We barely did that this show. That like that was like I think that right now that was our first to be fair. Here's a um, okay. I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna do part of this question from Jordan. I'm gonna let you answer these. What are your favorite motorcycles of each engine type? Single. Kramer. Okay. Yeah. Parallel twin. You're welcome, Joe. By the way, huh? break my collarbone. Kramer Joe ghosted me so hard. Sending text messages. Joe. I'm like, Joe, Joe, let's talk. Let's Joe do this. Joe knows how to fix broken motorcycles. He's got, he's not he's got no time. He's like, listen, you're out of the contention. I'm focusing all my energy on Team Hannah right now. Oh, Team Hannah's getting all of it now? Like, come Dang. on. Come on. Teach you a lesson to break your damn collarbone. Okay. <laughs> what's your favorite parallel twin? Parallel twin? Uh-huh. Uh, KTM 890 Duke. Wow, okay. Uh, V-twin. And it could be an L-twin. Mm, the twin in general. L-twin. Shut your face. <laughs> Shut your face. It's a 90-degree L-twin to you, well, actually. Ah, V-twin. Let's, let's go Street Fighter 1098. Ooh, Why nice. Not? Why not? It's in my garage. Might as well. Flat twin. This is a bonus point. Flat twin. I mean, how many flat twins are there? I mean, well, I guess there's two earlier. There's a, there's a few. There's, a there's more handful. than you think. A couple of um, Flat twin. You know what? Fucking R1200 GS is actually a really good bike. Dang. Nice. I, I was going to say it's like underrated. Obviously, the sales <laughs> would suggest it's not being underrated <laughs> at all. But I think I think people put down the GS way too quickly. And it's like, oh, you can make your Starbucks comments. You can make your not at an right. off-road bike comments. But get on one. You're going to have a good time. It's a good bike. It can do the thing. It does the thing It does it well. really well all the time. It's not that R18, I'll tell you that. Damn right it's not. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't name that, to be honest with you. Eh, I don't I don't love that bike. I just think it's very interesting. Triple. 
Do I have to have written it or is this my favorite? What's your favorite triple? I don't think they wrote written. Uh, the Benelli Tornado, all up in that. Wow. So beautiful. Boy, I didn't even see that coming. I would love to buy one. I would love to Ooh, buy one. Now that you've said it, I want it too. In line four. Uh, I didn't get to write it. I always wished I had. Moto says C1. Now, technically, he's calling it like the Z, Z line four or whatever. Yeah, was that really an inline four? It's technically what. It's like what a VR four. Volkswagen would yeah. call it a VR four. <laughs> Um, if you want a real inline four, I mean that was basically a GSXR motor, Frankenstein, wasn't it? What do I think it was that? It was very custom. I thought it was a Suzuki it was motor. A very custom. No, was it? it was very All custom. Right. All right. Uh, inline four. Hmm. Tough. It's tough. There's so many inline fours. There's so many. Uh, I know one that I've written recently is that Honda CBR 1000 RR Fireblade SP. So that's your current favorite <laughs> inline I mean, four. I think that's the best inline four super bike on your the market. Favorite? I don't know. Um, that's tough. It's so hard, tough. Like, I loved my R1 when I bought it, my 2004 R1 when I bought that. Yeah. That was amazing. My first bike was a Honda CBR uh, 600 F2, which was fine. Uh, so, but it has a soft spot. Um, if you can go back to the V twins, actually, TLR was kind of fun too. Oh man, uh, like way ahead of its time. The engine was good. The rest, <laughs> not else so was a, that bike was an experiment, uh, and it was awesome. Version two would have been rad. Oh, I wish they would do a version two. Uh, yeah, inline four. I feel like if Suzuki do that, people would lose their shit. Yeah, TL one thousand R, like point two. Yeah, that would be interesting. I'd go to that. I'd go to that press launch. Hi, Busa. Oh, that's Team Ant's favorite in line four. How about that for an there answer? There you go. How Which about iteration? That for answer? First one. Oh, absolutely. 100%. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think that's a bread that you're slicing very thin. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> which generation? I'm like, they're all kind of the same generation. Oh, Slow the fuck better. down. <laughs> yeah, but the first one blew all of our hats off. Uh, 2006 Gixxer. That's oh, probably like, absolutely. 2006 Gixxer 1000. That was a, that was a bike. bike. Oh, what a bike that was. Uh, or is though you can pick one up for nothing yeah yeah there's a lot there's so many bikes All right, there. so suzuki's i'm interested to, it, in your it's answer weird though suzuki, suzuki wasn't it? I went yeah, down suzuki path. yeah that's funny that was interesting all right v4 v4 rs v4 rs v4 although like huh? oh man there's so the i've v, heard you the, i've heard you i've even looked at you watched you look at a uh panigale v4r with your knees a little weak that's the thing like 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 the v4 is probably the hardest motor configuration to pick one because yeah. like you just said Panigale V4R oh my or a Modus remember oh, those my, things gonna, that's the next one like a Modus that bike fucking what scared the brute. shit out of me that Ugh. thing that motor was rad there's a lot of things I think they were working on a Roadster version I wish they were still around so they would have finished it. that bike was so rad that would have been that bike yeah it would have made more sense as like a Street Fighter Roadster I would have figured out a way to own that bike if it became production that would have been a fucking that was the whole thing the RC4 Panigale V4 yeah. Street Fighter V4 um, in my head, a like Capo Nord V4 exists. I don't know why I'm it doesn't. Surprised they never did it. That would have been a cool bike. Uh, go further back in time. Um, VFR. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much kind of like but the not entire 1200. Never not loved the 1200, them but like the the 800, the 750s. Yeah. I always kind of like a soft spot for them because yep. that was always Honda's kind of like technology bike. Like the newest, coolest shit came like out the on RC the V45. Yeah, that was a cool bike. Yeah. Um. So like, it's really yeah V4. Like that's the one where like. You can get some really interesting answers there. Like I feel like in line four, eh, you're gonna you're gonna find something. Such a long history of V four though. V four. There's all sorts of things. Uh, favorite six cylinder. 
Favorite six cylinder Goldwing. It's got to be okay. I mean, like especially like, the newest one. You've, yeah, what am I going to pick? Like K sixteen hundred? No, Goldwing. No. <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe it's a weird little rocket ship that K sixteen hundred. It's so top heavy though. It's so top heavy, but it goes like stink. I like. There's a lot of things I like about it, but it's so top heavy and it's so big, which is weird because BMW makes much. really well balanced vehicles, and this one's like just. You that's feel like if about, you're under five foot eleven, I don't know how you're going to put your feet down and not terrify yourself. I'm six foot two, and it's still like right? I remember it scaring the shit out of me. <laughs> and that's what I like about the Goldwing, where it's so down low and it's so torquey, and right. it's just it's just so easy. That's what made that bike so much fun uh, to that have. Couch in the is one of the most comfortable couches I've ever had the pleasure of being a passenger on. <laughs> uh, V8, V8. I'm not a Boss Oss guy. Have you ridden one? No, but like they're, they're just, stupid fun. Just. Uh, you can't wheelie it, so you do mean like quarter mile burnouts. Yeah, I don't and know. It's like a two speed. There is a Chech brand. Oh, this might be a V6. What is it? Who um, did that, the bike with the Maserati motor? Because that's that looked interesting to me. It was some one off craziness. Uh, there's a. I'm going to give you a bike that you probably haven't heard of. If I can find it, I got the Google. Man, how am I going to? This is not going to work. There's the Eisenberg's Berserk 500 horsepower V8. Uh, yeah, here it is. Okay, you want to go back to the V6, uh-huh. six-cylinder? Uh-huh. The FGR Medallio. I'm saying that wrong 100%. It's a V6, 2.5 liter, oh. street fighter-y kind of craziness thing. I mean, I haven't ridden one. I don't know if it goes well or not, but like you just look at that and you're like, that's so crazy. That is intense. Uh, the Horex. The Horex was an interesting VR6 project, V6 project. There's some interesting ones out there. I, I think when you start getting into six cylinders, you kind of get into a weird place. This is a really cool place. I okay, I'll answer mine here in a minute. Uh, so V8, not the Boss Haas. I just I just check out at V8. Like yeah. I'm just like okay, I'm kind of done. I mean, there was like a, a like I saw the weird uh, Maserati engine build, but it was not really a production bike. It was just some mad scientist bike. Yeah, I think the Boss Haas really is the main or was. <laughs> I don't know. They're still around. V8 quote-unquote motorcycle they're they're just a neat thing to say i've seen one it's a mythical thing you see at daytona bike week once a year yeah that's fair <laughs> right uh v10 tomahawk but again it's just kind of a one-off yeah fascinating design concept but i don't think you could really uh i think um who is it lazarus the french company they're doing something similar yeah but they always look you just look at that and it's like that's not a motorcycle that's just not it's just like a weird looking car at this point you've tried to figure out how to put two wheels on one giant engine uh, and best of luck to you uh, let's see my favorite single also Kramer no oh, good good man yeah I'm a big fan of that easy thing. to get into the singles though I mean like there's so many great singles there's so there. many great ones out there uh, there's, I mean I know there's listeners right now like you pieces of crap there's all these super motards and dirt bikes and blah 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 but I think it's because we're sport bike people but there's lots of great single. Like I think the KTM. Uh, let's see here. Is it the EX the 300 EXF? Is that what it is? That's a really great bike. That's a single. Little like the K- two stroker. No single. It's three fifty. It's their it's their enduro. The KTM 300 enduro. Uh, let's look this up. Oh, I, I'm just thinking of all great V twin, Aprilia. Um, uh, KTM 300 EXC. Sorry, that's the one I was thinking of. SXV. Like, huh sxv for a twin yeah i mean like i mean they didn't live very long but that was pretty yeah. rad when they did i don't know i could go all day on this this is this is a rabbit hole for i think sure. my favorite parallel twin right now is the rs660 
Ooh, good shout. Yeah. Good shout. What about V-Twin? Parallel favorite V-Twin? This is the one I'm most curious about Ooh. with you. My favorite V-Twin of all time is the 998R. Really? Yeah. I just think that is one of the most beautiful bikes ever made. And that was the Testa motor, which was, I think, a better motor than the previous. But it still had the looks that I'm just, like, I still, to this day, when I see that bike, I go weak in the knees. That's, that is, like, the quintessential ter, um, ter punch, um, tambourine, tambourine yeah. Ducati at its peak performance, at its peak, like, right. we've refined it, we've maximized it, we've optimized it. Boom, there it is. That's the, that's the archetype. That's the bike. T-Man knows I will own that bike one day. That's going to be in the house one day. I have to have it. It's to me, it's a piece of art that I would ride and just be grinning from ear to ear. And I know there are far better bikes out there than it. But to me, it's like you said, it's the 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 pinnacle of that design. It was that bike. Fair. Uh, flat Triples. twin. Oh, flat twin. Okay, yeah. flat twin was the next one for me. I, I'm with you. I think the R12 art RGS series has been such a tour of the force. You know, R1250, R1200. Those those are. I think it's a phenomenal bike. I don't think it's the most fun bike in the world. I think there are other bikes again out there, but where else are you going to find such a complete package? And that's coming from someone who sells that bike's direct competition. I think that's a great bike. That is the that is the bike that everyone looks to that, that they try to emulate in their OEM. If you want to be part of that adventure touring segment, because they own that segment, especially in the US. They've been around since what, 1983 doing that thing? Just on that particular model. I don't know how neither of us said for the single cylinder, Super Mono. Not my favorite, though. Really? Yeah. I've gotten. To me, that bike is just unreachable. It it's is. like a mythical creature that I don't believe in. There's like 60 of them that exist, right. which is a whole craziness. Um, I just watched, it was really good. Uh, Brian Case, formerly of Modus, mm-hmm. is with uh, the Barber Museum now, and oh, he wow. interviewed. Uh, Pierre Terreblanche and it was like this like 30 40 minute long interview I put it up on the site like mm, almost a month ago okay totally worth sitting down and watching the thing all the way through it can be a little do it a little slow at times but it's really interesting because he's talking he's talking about the supermodel they're talking mm-hmm. about the whole thing and like the design and the engineering and all that stuff and it got me just sitting there going like you fuckers in Bologna you <laughs> should totally make <laughs> A super quadro super mono that we've been saying that for a couple of years now that would be would, so cool oh my god can just, you imagine if and they just did make that? like a hundred of them. just make 200 like i don't know what the the numbers work out to but make it like a limited edition thing make them cost like 50 fucking thousand dollars yep. people would buy it ducati could do 500 of those and probably sell out within like hours yeah oh that would be uh that would, I, I am that'd be cool i'm gonna have dreams of that tonight sorry uh, I your process uh triple triple my favorite triple is probably the Super Veloce. Good call. I think any any MV triple is a good place to be. Yeah, absolutely. But again, that bike to me is just this beautiful design. It's such a... That's a bike that I would get off of after riding and turn back and look at every time. For me, I think it would be Brutale 900. Ooh. Or sorry, sorry. 900? Brutale 800 oh, RR. That's, again... Because I love the Brutale bike. I just love that look. I love the, I love the whole thing that's going on there. Yeah. I and remember got, when you had that Brutale several years ago, you couldn't stop talking. Even it. though you hated the dash, you couldn't stop loving on that thing. There was, there was definitely some things that I did not like, but overall love that bike. I think I think, I think at the time, I called it the best sport bike on the you market. Sure did. And I think the RR is just that much better. It's way overpriced, but 
that's a whole nother issue. And it's just, it's just, I mean, I think they've done a pretty good job of keeping that platform relevant. Um, yeah, good, good call on the Super Veloce. Because if it's just a styling difference at that point, F300, F3800, another bike I could totally get behind for a triple. In fact, I would love to pick one of those up. That'd be a fun track bike. I'm trying to think of. I'd probably hate my life like every other weekend, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, speed triple to me is just a speed quintessential tri- triple. Love a speed triple. It's, it's got a sound that I'm familiar with, a look that I love. It's a, it's another one of those bikes that every time I see one, no matter what year it was, I look at it and go, that's a cool bike. Speed triple over the street triple. Speed triple. Okay. The big one. The big the one. Street. Yeah, the yeah. big one. Okay. I've always loved, to me, it's always been that, that naked, you know, muscle bike. I know it went soft for a while, but I still like them. I still have a kind of a soft spot for it. Yeah. Uh, and we've talked about that a couple of times. Like we wish it got better. And then this newest iteration that I got to see today, I was like, man, you guys, nice. I would love to ride that bike. I would absolutely. In fact, I may go to the local tramp dealer. Like, can I borrow that for like half an hour? Just, I just want to. That's not the thing. You want to trade a V4 for a yeah, three for a day? I just want to see, see what's a, see what you're working with. Uh, inline four, my favorite inline four. <laughs> what is my favorite inline four? Uh, it's Coda Kitty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she is. <laughs> When she lays correctly, her legs line up and it looks like an inline four. Uh, my favorite inline four is the like mid 90s ZX7RR. Ooh. I love that bike so much. Good call. Oh, I love that bike so much. I'll do I'll do that same vein. Yamaha R7. Oh, right? What a bike that we unfairly didn't get to have here. Yeah. Ugh. Well, it's okay, Shaheen. It'll be coming out soon. <laughs> but again, not for us. No, it is. Oh, it's, no, that's right. But it'll be the MTO. Uh, it's it's not, an MTO. No, I remember we talked about that. I got angry. I had to go home and drink. And I got, uh, what was it? After that conversation, a little Bothan showed up and was like, oh, yeah, I don't know. It's definitely just a fairing. It's definitely, <laughs> you're going to fucking hate it. It's just a fairing. P.S. We still hate you. Son of a bitch. P.S. We still hate you. P.S. The boss yourself. still hates you. Yeah. Yeah. He thinks, uh, you're, he thinks you're not a cool guy. Favorite V4? Uh, ooh, ooh. Danger zone. Current current street fighter v v4s good good answer i a little shilly but good answer well so remember i wanted one i was gonna buy one yeah until i wrote the multistrada v4 so how do you not say multistrada which v4? is funny right that's where my money went because i i became what's called uh, what's the word i'm looking for here rational about it i, I know i know i know i'm shaking my head people I, can't see I, it. I'm, I'm shaking too. my head um here's I, I think the street fighter v4s in my little mind is probably one of the most perfect street bikes I've ever ridden. I just love everything about it. I know it's got shortcomings. I know it doesn't have a, a I hear about it every day. It doesn't have a fuel gauge with, I think it's silly. I don't know why they didn't do that. Nor does it have cruise control, which I don't know why you want a cruise control. I don't on think that I bike. have a single motorcycle with a fuel gauge, so I don't know what the big deal is. I don't either, but whatever. Okay, that's fine. I hear about these shortcomings on a daily, so I understand them, or at least I see them. But Every time I've ridden that bike, I have giggled maniacally. I, it just makes me feel good. I feel like I look good on it. I feel like I ride well on it. <laughs> I feel like everything's just honkadory and great and happy on that bike. The reason I bought the Multistrada is when I rode it, it gave me like that, you know, like I said earlier, it gave me that 95 percentile. I was like, I can have about 95% of the quote unquote performance on the street of a street fighter on a Multistrada that I can also go touring on and also take off-road and also put stupid tractor tires on, right? So- that's why I bought it because it's like, well, 
for the same dollar amount, I can have a bike that has multiple uses as opposed to a single use object, which is a street fighter. But not a day goes by that I don't stare at one. We just put one together in the showroom with the magnesium wheels and this and that and the other on there. I have such an unhealthy crush on that bike. It's not even funny. And that's luckily good, I'm buying a house soon or else that, that bike would be in the house. Good call. So I just, I just thought of another V twin. Sorry okay. to oh, keep interrupting yeah. you with my ideas. Oh, give me RC 51. Oh God. Absolutely. hundred percent. Right? I don't know how I forgot oh about that. The, the most beautiful, ugly bike I've ever seen in my life. Another bike I would love to put in my garage. Oh, when Jensen won't finally get to garage, we should, that, we should go half season on one of those. Let's, let's do it. Let's get a clubhouse. Let's get a Brap Talk clubhouse. The, the Church of Brap. Well, the needs. Church of Brap. The Church of Brapistan. Yeah. And we'll, we can make it like a, a non-profit tax shelter, like like Scientology. Right. But for motorcycles. Exactly. And we'll just start a collecting. safe space for us all. Yeah, we'll start putting altars of motorcycles oh, together. I'm into this. And we'll just hang out there on Sundays. Um, it needs podcasts. to be the silver one with, the, honestly, the Hayden edition one. Yeah. I thought it was a beautiful sure. bike. Yeah. That's oh SP2. It runs well. It looks good. It does everything. Oh, I love that. Good call. Absolutely good call. You're welcome, America. <sighs> America, we're, uh, we're doing this for V4, you. V4, bigger than V4. What do you got? Honestly, my number two V4 would have been, if if Modus had built that Roadster, yeah. that would have been at the top of my list because we were at Coda and they fired it up and I had a boner. Uh, bigger than V4? You can shame me all you want. No, actually, you don't get to shame me. The CBX. Okay. Like a 79 to 81 is the only yeah, years okay. they really made it. I love that bike. And I've seen all kinds of iterations where people do this like resto mod thing to it and modern suspension, all that stuff. I'm all for it. I like that shit. I love taking an old chassis, well, old style vehicle, motorcycle or car and putting modern chassis stuff on I don't hate that. I don't hate that at all. Love that bike. I love the resto mod thing. Oh, that. Especially like the old, like, again, I don't know why I'm like a Suzuki trip. <laughs> the old Jixers. Yeah. Like the, the the what is it the Suzuki Retro Endurance Team or whatever they call it, they're making beautiful bikes. That's so cool. Beautiful bikes because it takes my the whole like resto mod thing and then like my weird love for endurance bikes mm-hmm. and just kind of pops them together. Mm-hmm. So that's my favorite six cylinder. Again, the Boss House. I've ridden it. I've done some gnarly burnouts on one, but eh, it's just not a real bike. Can you imagine commuting every day on a Boss House? Because that would be amazing. But no. And they're not cheap. Like you can pass a hundred grand real easily on one of those. That's stupid. That's very stupid. But that was the that was the height of the chopper craze too, though. Yeah, I don't think you buy a early mid two thousand more than that especially. now. Boss house probably like forty grand now. Ooh, can I add another one of my favorite twins, which I would like to at some point own again? A Confederate Wraith. Fair. I love those bikes. Oh, beautiful. Just dreamy. What a weird, cool design. It just looks like a robot. I also don't know how we didn't say Desmo Cidici RR4 V4s. Oh, man. You're right. There's a lot of good bikes out there. There's so many good ones out there. What a stupid question. Because it's just like, let's just talk about all of our favorite bikes. Jordan, you know what? Uh, (laughs) Thanks for, it's like like dangling catnip in front of a couple of cats. It's just like, ah. Let's just go down that rabbit hole. Uh, Half an hour later. Ask somebody the question, which is my favorite answer. Which is your favorite motorcycle? The one I own right now. Yeah, the one I have right now. That's my favorite answer. You got anything else? No. You look like you're fading. I'm good. Your shoulders being your shoulders dropping. It's pretty popped good. like in and out like three times. I'm I'm done. Is it really in and out or is it just the bone grinding? I don't know what. Which might going be a good on. thing. It means it hasn't fused yet, which means they don't have to re-break it, which sucks. Or they do. I don't know. Whatever. You'll be out. You won't even know. Yeah, not my problem. Can I be the one that like brings you home from the from the hospital so I can hear you say some bullshit while you're on drugs? <laughs> I'm apparently. I promise to probably record it on Brab Talk's Instagram so people can. 
the you last know, time wish I, you well. The last time I came out of surgery, I saw my girlfriend at the time, I guess, across the recovery hall, and I just yelled out, baby, I love you, <laughs> which for me is like the optimal response that I could have done. Like, I could just see like, I could just see me saying some shit and like, what? I was fucking high as a kite. Oh, man. I will say, Shane, I've been doing this whole thing without drugs, which has been really fun. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. We had some fish and chips, and you had a cat near you. Yeah. The daughter's like, do you want some oxycodone? We'll get you some oxy. You want some oxy? I'll give you some oxy. And I'm like, you know, I think the world can do without less oxy in the world. Yeah. Let's just not do that. Let's not. What? I got Mountain Dew. There's got to be people listening like, you said no to oxy? I honestly like opiates. On purpose? I fucked just, my stomach up really bad. They just make the room spin. I don't get mm-hmm. any pain relief. Mm-hmm. I'm with I you. don't get any, any. I don't get high. The room just spins and then I go to sleep. And then my poop is all constipated. I truly believe your body heals itself better if you're not on crazy pain meds. Yeah. But I think that's bullshit. Uh, I don't know if we had any in our press on us. I honestly just didn't look. I don't have time. Whatever. We'll get you next time if you we did. We love you. I'll find you. Thank you. for fo- No, a couple of people messaged and said that they followed because they want to make sure you get better. Oh, I appreciate that. Yep. So, I, you know, what? Thank you for doing that. I didn't write down your name because that's usually something Jensen does. And I didn't realize he's in this state of pain that doesn't let him do his job. I'm literally like, I have like a three hour window where I get work done and a lot of it's not getting done. Oh, well, I'm glad I took your three hours today. I hope you go to bed right so before the sunset. I still have so much more stuff to do. So much more. Oh my goodness. Maybe Koda will do it. Not likely. I think she's she's looking for dinner. She is looking. She's staring at me like I know where the food she's is. like, listen, the tall one didn't give me the food. Maybe you will. I've been stared at for a good two <laughs> minutes now. I'm a little bit terrified right now. Uh, I don't know when the show is going to get out, but we just did the last one yesterday. So yeah, we'll see. Well, if you unless you want the fitch, uh, what are they pitchforks and fires, you better do some in your three hours that you have. We'll figure it out. <laughs> it's getting better. Well, follow us on at Brap Talk on Instagram at We Brap Talk on Twitter, and send us the emails at vbraptalk at gmail dot com and follow us. I don't know why I went German. Uh, hey, why are you giving the email address in German? They're gonna be like. Where's the Z button? That's Z. I don't Z. Brap, I don't understand how this works. Uh, and <laughs> Facebook, Brap Talk Motorcycle Podcast. You can follow us uh, or listen to us on just about any. Anywhere. Anywhere that does podcasts, really. Pretty much. Uh, you can do it in your car, in the shower, uh, while you're working at your favorite uh, workshop. Um, or, you know, whatever. Whatever works for you. I wonder if anyone listens to us while having sex. Please let us know if you do. Um, I don't know if I want to know. I kind of want to. I'm curious. That's like some weird key party shit right there, <laughs> which I had to explain to someone the other day, and I was just like, oh, that's adorable. You know what I had to explain it to? What? Please do tell. Frappy little stepsister. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh so naive. Oh, I love her a lot. She's um, right. And then, oh, we got more stickers that are red this time. They're not purple. Red. So the, the limited edition purple <laughs> stickers are out. <laughs> They're gone. They're gone. <laughs> <laughs> those got those got purchased and given away also at the Omra races very quickly. Yeah. So we got we got like I think I have two hundred more red Brap Talk stickers. Awesome. I need to get more safety third stickers because they're getting popular. Those are popular. I, I see a lot of safety third. Requests. Maybe we do a safety third uh, trucker hat. Who wants that shit? Let us know. You're in charge of hats. Whatever. I'll do I something. can't. I can't. I can't deal. No problem. <laughs> I got this. We got it figured out. Uh, Jensen, heal up. Thank you, sir. Good to see Feel you. better. Good to see you, too. Thank you for all your help. All My the jars pleasure. you open for me. <laughs> phone, the phone lines are always on. <laughs> uh, I need help uh, clipping my toenails, cutting my hair, 
and taking out my trash. Uh, Anne's good at giving haircuts. <laughs> I will fi- I will find you a sexy nurse to clip your toenails, and I will happily take out your trash. All right. <laughs> good. We're good to go. Safety third. I'm out of here. Good talk. See you later. Bye. That, like, that was like, that right now, that was our first, to be fair. In all fairness. And he shall throw thy holy hand grenade. Shall throw it at three counts, not one or two, not four, but three. Five is right out. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh.